Welcome to the Warm Down episode 25. I'm Rem Lee. We're just Dave today. We're going to look at game week seven of the Premier League. Um, before we get started, is there any news? Any football news that man can chat about? Um, maybe the kind of the controversial comments from, um, I know it's not the Premier League, but Mbappe's made. Oh, okay. <laughs> With the PSG um, situation, obviously he's made it very clear that he wants to go to Real Madrid. And I think he's had some problems with Messi and, and Neymar. And it's all coming out now um, in the press. I don't know if you've heard about it. No, I heard something about Neymar, but I didn't hear nothing about Messi. Um, to be honest, yeah. I, was just, I don't know. I don't know what your view is, but my view is that PSG are just dumb. Leonardo, he's an idiot, man. Uh, seriously, every time he opens his mouth, I think he talks shit. Yeah. Like, you're saying, oh, he promised he's not going to leave on a free. Are you an idiot? Listen, my man there. is leaving on a free. What is wrong yeah. with you, bro? Like, well, you he... had your chance to sell him and you didn't want to. So he goes on a free, innit? Mm. He promised. He promised. Promise is nothing, mm. man. We know that. Mm. Promise means nothing in football. To be honest, I just think they're idiots. Like, the guy's going to cut. And he said, look, you don't let me go, all right, don't get the money. I'll stay for the year, I'll play my mm. heart out. And he looks like he put his effort in. I know the name of thing, I think he kind of like clarified. He said, yeah, I did call him a bum or something. Because yeah. he said, but because these things happen in football, isn't it? Like we joke, we spoke about it and it's not now. You know what I mean? So I just think, to be honest, that's just being blown out. Yeah, I think that. The more, the more about the Messi thing is, I think it's along the lines of the fact that he tracks back, whereas like Messi just like was always walking. So it's kind of dissing the fact that he don't come a, defensively, come and track back and help the team, and he's above everyone and he just walks. But yeah, I think well, he, it's just it's an angle thing, isn't it? He wants to move to Real Madrid. I think he's got some resentment for for PSG for not making that happen in the summer, and I think PSG is stupid, man. Real Madrid offered some money to you, substantial amount, maybe not enough that covers how much they paid Monaco, but it's enough. And he's going on a free. So it don't make no sense, man. Personally, I, I don't think he gives a shit, to be honest. No. I don't think he cares. I think, like he just said, look, I think they lied. He just said, look, they lied about, they said that I let them know like in the last week once it. Sorry, that was man's pizza. <laughs> you got um, the food in, blood. You got the food in. Um, I can't remember what I was saying, but yeah, now nah, I just think, listen, man, Nate, you know what Messi does, though. He does that. Ronaldo does that. Uh, you're just part of a team, and if you don't appreciate it, then listen, he's only got a year of it anyway, and he's gone anyway. So, to be honest, I don't think he really, really yeah. gives a shit. I think the Real Madrid, I think he goes to Real Madrid. He's, he's, he's the man. He's the main man there. So I think that's what he's looking forward to because he's yeah, not going to yeah, have yeah, to yeah. compete with guys like Neymar and Messi for like, you know, top spots. So he, he can affect that. And God knows Real Madrid needs someone like Mbappe anyway. So I think he'll be the start of Real Madrid starting again, if you know what I mean. Yeah, kind of that uh, rebuild that needs to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that will, he'll be the start of it. And people want to come because of him and shit. Anyway, yeah. let's get into this now. Um, yeah, so game week seven. Let's go through the scores first. Again, yeah, it's going to be Manchester United one, Everton one, Burnley nil, Norwich nil, Chelsea three one winners at home, Southampton, Leeds getting the first one of the season one nil against Watford, two one Wolves beat Newcastle, Brighton Arsenal's nil nil. And then on Sunday, Crystal Palace 2, Leicester 2, Tottenham 2, Villa 1, West Ham 1, Brentford 2, and then the top of the table clash between Liverpool and Man City and the 2-2. Um, the three games we're going to look at or analyse are Manchester United versus Everton, the goalless draw between Brighton and Arsenal, and the draw between... Um, Liverpool and Manchester City. What do you want to start with? Yeah, I think it's best to start with a Liverpool-Man City game, man. It's only right. Yeah, we'll do Liverpool-City first, then United, and then we'll do the goalless draw after that. Um, yeah. 
Okay, Liverpool to Manchester City to at Anfield. Goalless at half time in this one. Um, and then second half goals from Mane and Salah for Liverpool were twice equalised from Phil Foden first and then Kevin De Bruyne with nine minutes left. <clears throat> um, yeah, what was your thoughts on the match? I thought overall the game was very exciting. I think it caught fire in the second half. But um, in the first half, I felt... I think they're both kind of feeling each other out in terms of um, trying to get the one one over each other. But I felt Man City overall might have felt a bit aggrieved that they didn't get the three points. But fair play to Liverpool. You know, they're kind of stuck in there. I mean, the, the tempo of the game in the first half, we saw, you know, Liverpool were trying to get the edge, trying to get behind Man City. But Man City defensively looked quite resolute. And there was moments where Man City in the first half were kind of trying to exploit Liverpool. And I think they identified that Milner was the weakest link at the back. And you see Foden time and time again uh, getting getting past him and Liverpool will find it very difficult to contain him. Trent was then, injured, didn't it? Yeah. Hmm. So I felt I felt Man City kind of, you know, looked the more fr- threatening in the first half. But then, uh, you know, the second half, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, it was end-to-end. And some of the goals, man... I, I, well, magnificent. Start, with the, start with the first one, Sadio Mane. Yeah, I mean, Sadio Mane, you know, uh, Salah played him in. Wonderful strike, you know. At that point at the time, Man City were, you know, their tails were up, they were dominating the game and Liverpool kind of got, got the ball, got the possession and, and scored a goal. So it was a bit of a shot that Liverpool got so the goal. Against the run of play. Yeah, against the run of play, you know. But, you know, Salah again, amongst the assists and Sadio Mane scoring, scoring the goal. Lovely taking goal. But then, you know, you know, Man City still kind of pressured Liverpool and they, you know, a bit more urgency in their play. And i got to say, Phil Foden's finish was fantastic. Uh, the composure of this young man, you know, especially, you know, Anfield's a difficult place to come to, especially the atmosphere for an away team. And, you know, they're kind of like Liverpool's 12th man. And I think for a young man to kind of be under that pressure and score that, you know, that goal was very vital. It was brilliant, brilliant to see. But again, listen, the man of the hour, man. Mohamed Salah out of nowhere, kind of taking a, a, a line out of Man United, just a moment of brilliance because they you know, bombed and weaved past so, a couple of defenders in, and from nowhere just dispatched a goal. It's a brilliant goal. And I, and I think for me at the moment, Mohamed Salah is the, the best player in the world at the moment. Just goals upon goals, his performance has been consistent and that was a vital goal and it looked like Liverpool were going to win it. But then again, credit to Man City. Man City plugged away trying to uh, close the deficit down and De Bruyne again making it 2-2 and then towards the end golden opportunity for Liverpool to win it but Rodri you know saved their bacon at the end oh, yeah, he should have yeah. scored he should have scored for being no he took too long it a he great thought challenge, about it. it's a great challenge but he just took too long uh, to kind of get it, it was, I don't know whether or not he was thinking too much but he should have slot that back, slot that in the back of the net, man. But again, Rodri coming back to save that. But the end-to-end play between Liverpool and Man City—that's a great advertisement for the Premier League, man. And this, these are the two, one of the two teams that are going to be up there challenging for the Premier League title, along with Chelsea, man. Brilliant game, especially in yeah. the second half. I mean, I, I I didn't watch it. I was coming back from Spurs, and by the time I got back, it was. Coming to maybe towards the end of the first half, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, you made a comment about Mosala. You're repeating the comment from was it Jamie Carragher? Yeah, I know he mentioned, but I, I personally do believe right now on on form, he is probably the best player in the world at the moment. Just consistently amongst the goals, whether it's assists, assists as well. He's just, he's brilliant. And I know he's recently come out and said, you know, he wants half a million pounds a week. Give it to him. If he's consistently performing like that, when Liverpool are not playing at their best and he's still, the, the one guy still making things happen, mm. consistently give him that contract because he's going to he's gonna deliver. Would, would, would you say that was one of them games? Look, he scored with 15 minutes to go. At that point, how did you see the game go? Man City were in the ascendancy. It looked like Man City were going to grab... 
grab grab the game and get all the three points because they were the ones making wearing down Liverpool, getting into the box, neat play, great passage of plays. It looked like City were the team that were going to get the, get the goal and win the game. But Liverpool, you know, this is what world class players do when there's an, when they get the ball, they have an opportunity. You know, some might just say. He's, he's greedy, he could have passed the ball, but, you know, he's got such a great low sense of gravity where the ball stuck to him and he just took out a couple men and just scored the goal in the back of the net. And that's what Salah does. That's confidence. So he's kind of now used, you know, used to having that confidence and scoring them goals because that's what Liverpool needed. I think Man City, for me, will feel aggrieved because they should have won the game. On, on the way the game went and the chances that they created, they should have. They should have really won the game, but kudos to Liverpool for staying there, and mainly Salah, for keeping them in the game. Right. Um, we t- you spoke about the Anfield crowd and the 12th man. I have to say, the referee on the day was... Is it Paul Tierney? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I have to say, I think he's one of the worst referees I've ever seen in my life. I, I can't stand him. I think he's got, he's got no bottle. No bottle, and I think he showed it once again, because... James Milner 100% should have been sent off. Yeah. 100%. That, yeah. But that he got booked in the first half. Did did he get what did he get booked for in the first half? He didn't get booked for the for the the foul on um Foden that wasn't give, that wasn't yeah. given. I think he got fouled again. I think it was he got fouled again. I think he made a foul in the first half. I'm trying to remember now who he... He, he did the foul on Foden's, yeah. basically, which, which was just on the edge of the box. There was arguments, was it on the line? Was it in the box? Was it... But I think majority of people, after looking at it, said that it would have been a free kick. I thought it was a clear foul. He just yeah. ran across the back of him, clipped his heels. He was, he was just so blatant what he was trying to do. He knew what he was trying to do. Um, yeah, they were, yeah. I, I don't know if he got booked for that. I don't think he did um, yeah. because it got drawn back or the ref didn't give a foul anyway. Um, but then second half, he was already on a booking and he stuck the leg out on Bernardo, who I have to say has yeah. been unbelievable yeah. recently. He's, as I said, he's gone back to that form of two, three years ago. Um, and now there's no signs. I know he's playing centre midfield and He's obviously kind of replacing Gundogan at the moment. Um, but yeah, think, the 12th yeah. man, you, you saw that as a clear red as well. Yeah, 100%. I think, that, like I said, the 12th man, he, he made two, he, he was struggling throughout the game. And, you know, he, he should have had two yellow cards at least as a minimum. He should have been sent off. He was struggling to contain uh, Foden. He was, he was struggling with the pace. And I'm surprised that when he was on a yellow card, that Klopp didn't replace him, replace him and bring on. I know they didn't have Trent Alexander Arnold, maybe bring on Timakas and maybe shift it around, but they, he was clearly struggling and he couldn't well, do with the pace. Brought, he brought on Gomez for him after, after he, I think he should have got sent off and instantly after Klopp just took him up. But, should have, um, yeah, should have brought him on before to be fair. But I want to talk on Man City and, and you were saying about Phil Vodden. I think we've had this discussion before, so mm. I don't want to bring it up again about the Jack Grealish signing. Mm. Because I don't want to make it look also like, yeah, I've got something against Jack Grealish. I don't have. Um, but you mentioned that. Sorry to cut you off, but it wasn't Grealish's best game. I, I understand that why Pep's playing him. You know, he paid a where, lot of money. Where did for he? Him. Where did he play? Sorry, I felt he played like the striker role, the kind of the. So he was the false nine. The false nine, and I thought you know, uh, Jesus was on the other side, okay, Foden on the left hand side. Let's look at the line up here. Anyway. Um, hopefully, this will make it clear. Yeah, on here they've got Jesus and Foden either side of Grealish. Yeah. Now, I, I've made this point before. Phil Foden's best position is out on the left. Mm. That, that's, me, that's my opinion. I've had that opinion. I've said it on here before. That's where my confusion was within signing Jack Grealish. Now, mm. there was also the point, could Jack play that false number nine? Because he is physically strong. He does like to hold up the ball, but he holds up the ball in a different way. As I said, I think centrally it's, it's going to have to be something that he adapts his game um, and the coach is going to have to work on him to be able to do that more centrally because on that left-hand side, he can kind of... He's looking in on the play. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Instead of the play all surrounding him, if you know what I mean. Um, it's something he's going to have to get used to, I guess. But as I said, for me, Phil Foden 
has to play out on that left hand side. Um, so yeah. Jack got taken off after 66 minutes. Um, but Phil Foden hasn't, I mean, he's obviously missed the beginning of the season through injury. And, um, he looked like he's getting back to where he was last season. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's, uh, I know obviously he's a, he got injured early, like you mentioned before, but I think he's getting back to that level where, you know, he's starting to perform on a regular basis and making an impact for Man City. On the proviso that Pep plays him on the left, I understand Greenish is coming in and Greenish is probably his best position as either in that number 10 role, but he ain't going to dislodge De Bruyne. So I think Pep is trying to get into the, get him into that team at any cost, but unfortunately he wasn't good enough to kind of be in that false nine. And I think Liverpool did a good job to kind of smother him. I know he's trying to maybe drift a little bit um, to the wing and try to cut in, but it just wasn't working. He wasn't effective. So I would, I would have rather seen Jesus maybe play as a, that false nine because he's a predominantly a striker. So I don't know why Pep didn't adopt that option. But overall, Man City were fantastic. And it was good to see De Bruyne back as well. I'm just a bit worried about his injuries, uh, injuries injury situation. But it's, it's always good to have De Bruyne in the team because you know exactly what he's going to bring to the table. But Bernardo Silva, man, like you mentioned, man, he was immense again. You know, he's consistently performing. He was brilliant um, in Paris. He was brilliant against Chelsea as well. Consistently, you know, he's got to play him. You know, he's got, he's got to play him on a regular basis, man. Uh, but City looked really strong. And, and I think, now, like I said, it's two points dropped for Man City, in my opinion. Liverpool oh, will be... Yeah. Yeah, it's um, two points dropped. Yeah, go sorry, go on. Yeah, I was gonna like I said, sorry, but uh, it's two points dropped for Man City because the way the the way the game went, you know, they they were full a bit aggrieved that they didn't get the three points. But more, like I more, said, I was... more on um on on chances or more with the red that would have definitely pushed them towards you would have felt a, a bit, a bit of result. both, a bit of both because they, obviously... they they did sorry they did have to equalize twice. You mm. know what I mean? Where you would kind of say even though Liverpool by what you're saying maybe wasn't on top for large periods of the game, they were losing twice. Yeah. So. But they they had these, they had the momentum, even though they were, you know, 2-1 down, they still had the momentum. Even even when, it, when Salah scored that goal, they, the momentum was with them. With I did City. feel, with City, yeah. I did feel with Liverpool at the beginning of the game, they felt a bit lethargic. I don't know, they very slow pace. They looked like they were struggling and Man City kind of sensed that and kind of took over as the game went along. But like I said, when you've got players like Mo Salah in the team and, and Sadio Mane that can score goals in big games and like I said, you're at the cop, you know, like that 12th man kind of like willing you on, anything can happen. Okay. Um, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, next we'll go Old Trafford where it ended 1-1 between Manchester United and Everton. Martial would have gone just before half time for Manchester United. Um, I don't know if this is his first start of the Premier League season, I doubt it. But no. anyway, um, in the second half, Everton got a deserved equaliser, nice counter attack. And it was Andros Townsend who finished it off. Um, so we're going to throw the goals first and then your thoughts on the match. Yeah, the, the goals, I mean, came towards the, uh, the back end of the second, uh, the first half, sorry. Um, nice passage to play Bruno into Martial. He slotted it quite well uh, in to make it 1 0. And then, um, well, the, sec- the second half, uh, a bit of a di- off the back of Bruno's corner, um, a bit of, a, bit of a, a mistake from Fred, got intercepted by Gray. And Gray ran down the left hand side, seen Decore. And great composure from Decore to take out a couple of defenders. Uh, pass it to Townsend. And Townsend just kind of rolled it into the back of the net to make it 1-1. And obviously, to, after he scored the goal, he had to kind of imitate, like he said, his hero with the Ronaldo celebration to add insult to injury. It was a shocking so, attempt. I, yeah, I don't know where. I don't know whether or not he was, he felt it was Batman there or, or what, but it was a <laughs> poor, poor, poor imitation or what. It was flying in the air, but I can understand the celebration and the, the excitement, but yeah, I got to give credit to Everton, man. Really got to give credit to Rafa Benitez, the way he set up the team. Brilliant. 
I mean, considering the fact that they had Richarlison, Dom- Dominic Calvert-Lewin out, you know, two pivotal, influential players. But, you know, there was, there was certain players that kind of, they, they, they kind of almost mirrored Manchester United at, at times. But the work that, you know, their, their two midfielders did, Allen and Decore, was outstanding. And, you know, Oli plays Fred and McTominay all the time. And you know my feelings about Fred and McTominay. But Allen and Decore showed Oli, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and Fred and McTominay what a number six does and what a number eight does. Alan was was predominantly a number six, which allowed Decore to be a number eight in that box-to-box role and kind of move, move and, and get more forward and advance to kind of support the forward strikers. And if when, when it needed to be, they work collectively together to, to kind of snuff out any attacks and then hit, hit Man United on the counter. For the first 20 minutes, Manchester United looked positive, done the same thing like I've always mentioned. Played, passed the ball really well. You know, high tempo, making a couple of opportunities that, you know, looked like, you know, United were doing well. To some, some a good credit to Fred. Fred was playing the ball forward. McTominay was playing the ball forward at times. In that 20-minute spell, it kind of looked quite nice. Everyone, you know, United looked like they're on it. But for some reason, I don't know what it is, you know, the tempo dropped and we just invited pressure. And when we invited pressure, Everton got comfortable. Every man were, get, were getting comfortable in the formations. And as you could, as time went on, Everton were imposing their will in the game. And listen, Damare Gray, Townsend, Decore, and I've got to give a shout out to the young man as well, Anthony Gordon. because yeah, he give him a shout out. 100%. Really well. Because he put in a shift. He put in a shift. Whether it's coming, working with the defenders, coming back to defend, or trying to go to attack, this guy was everywhere. You know, if you know his heat map will show you he was all over the pitch at Old Trafford. He put in a shift, and Damari Gray looks like a he's a different animal. I know we mentioned him before, but he just he just seems switched on, determined, that determined, looking to make an impression, and he did. He caused us problems throughout the whole game, and Everton are fully deserving of this team. And but and I got to give a shout out to Rafa Benitez because he got his tactics right because he knew that Man United are going to play Fred and McTominay, and he counteract that. We're playing Decore and Allen, and we just dwarfed them. We didn't have no midfield. We Wait, struggled. First, 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 first of all, I can't let you get away with saying that because Decore and Allen play every single match. So he didn't do some brilliant switch. No, nah, they didn't do no brilliant in his but, lineup. But, to, he, to, but he knew that those he, two listen, collectively. At the end of the day, Everton played how Everton have been playing this season very strong on the counter attack. Very strong. And I think their, their equaliser, it showed that. I mean, the Mare Gray determination, um, just belief in this play as well, to then slide into Corey, who for me has is, is, is always been a brilliant player. And, and right now he's in... When, when he first came to Watford, we saw like he, he stood out he like a serious player and, and he's back in that form even beyond it. And I wouldn't be surprised if a French call-up comes up soon. But um, brilliant composure, as you said, had a couple of men round him and then slotted it into Townsend, who's in great form himself, and just tucked it away nicely. Um, but we'll get onto the lineup in a minute. But yeah, I think the difference is, as you said, Alan and Decore, and let's just say it's a contest, and then McTominay and Fred. Now, Alan and Decore, the, the way Rafa plays, as you said, they're set up to counter-attack. So their job in midfield, a lot of the stuff is played in front of them. You know what I mean? It's, it's not so much on them, the pressure's on them in possession of the ball and they have to create attacks. Like for me, Fred, I don't know what you feel on this. Like Fred, Fred is a lot... To be honest, Fred and McTominay get involved in a lot of your build-up. Yeah, I guess you have to. You're playing for Manchester United. But as we argue about, do you need two of them to do the job? Now, the, the argument is that there is no trust in the ability of a one-man holding midfielder role, like if you had a Indeedy, let's say, or a, or a what um, Fernandinho had been doing for years at Manchester City, where, let's be honest, I mean, Manchester City have the ball more than anybody Fernandinho's sole job, main job, was on the counter attack, 
you break up play, whether that means foul, no, and and sometimes brilliant technical challenges and stuff, where you just don't have that in your team. Um, Oli can't magically make one appear, but for me, he needs to make a choice between one of them and stick with it. Now, I, I would say McTominay, if you believe he can play centre-back, then McTominay would be the best suited to play the Oldham. Um, Fred, I just think physically Fred's not good enough. Uh, um, I think we saw with the goal, Damari Gray buoyed him off. And that's that's not did. good enough. That yeah. is not good enough. To get counter-attacked and bullied like that at home and it's it's not good enough. It's it it it, it, it spreads a, a fear. You know what I mean? That that on the counter attack, you you're just there for the taking, and and teams' confidence is just going to grow and grow in that. So that's my argument on that. Um, do you agree, first? To some extent, but the, 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 I mean, take your point about McTominay, for example. For Scotland, he plays at centre back at times, so. You know, when you look at it like that, you know, both of them, you know, together in that midfield, it doesn't work. We've seen it many a time. But if you had to choose between the two for one person to sit there, it's Scott McTominay, because I feel he'll be more disciplined than Fred. And But at the same time, I don't think Scott McTominay can do that job. You know, the, the, the coaches are trying to push Scott McTominay to become that number six role. So there's more of an emphasis on, on him being in that position and molding himself to being that CDM. I don't think he can do it. I don't think he's disciplined enough. And that is a technical technical position to play. But then, but then uh, who can do it? Matic. Matic is as our only specialist but CDM. Gonna, yeah, but he, you're going to trust Matic to do that with, with, the, with his pace on the counter-attack? Well, the, the thing is, when you're talking about... I know what you're saying. Physically, he's definitely more suited. Yeah, no, 100%. But um, I, I, he but can I look think after the ball as well. Yeah. And uh, my worry is just his pace on the yeah, break. The, yeah, the, the pace is a problem. And obviously, his age, his advanced in ages. But if you look, you know, this is where you need to rotate a little bit because Oli won't deviate from, from McTomney and Fred. And we've seen different combinations, whether it's Scott McTomney, Matic. McTominay or Pogba or Fred and uh, McTominay or Fred and Matic, it don't work. Uh, it's, you know, and the thing is, is you know, there's one common denominator, Donny. Honestly, we know Donny ain't going to play, but why not try him in a difference? He's bolted up a bit. He's he can't. He, he looks like he wants to play. He can retain the ball well. Matic and and Pogba, Matic and and Donny have played together. They look like a better combination. Donny is a number eight. Matic is a number six. I know that Matic, certain games, I would play those two, but alternate it around. Because we've now seen for a numerous amount of games that Fred and McTominay just don't work together. I mean, I, I'd be interested in seeing maybe McTominay at a number six and maybe Donny as a number eight. Give it a go. What have you got to lose? Um, let's get to the lineup because it was very controversial. Because in the week, Manchester United played Villarreal. It was heading into a draw, which Manchester United were so lucky to even get a draw. But with in injury time, Cristiano Ronaldo popped up after some decent play from um, Lingard. And Cristiano Ronaldo got the winner with the last kick of the game, basically. Cristiano Ronaldo started this match on the bench. Um. And so was Pogba. So Cavani started up front and behind him um, obviously was Greenwood, Bruno and Martial who's ended up scoring. Um, I know you've asked, now you're, you're opposite. Mm. I heard Gary Neville talking and him saying that he believes Oli changes the team too much but you think that he doesn't change the team enough. Now... Uh. What, what, what was your thoughts? Smoking. I know it's hindsight, but what was your mm. thoughts on the, on the starting lineup when you saw it? I was a bit surprised because obviously, you know, Ronaldo's being brought in and, he, you know, he's expected to play every game. Um, Cavani, you know, he, he came on in the Villarreal game. You know, 
you know, he did his part a bit. I was a bit, I was a bit shocked that he started, uh, but I was more shocked about the Martial one because I felt there was other players maybe before him that maybe warranted a start. You know, maybe maybe just Lingard. Lingard. I, I, I thought Lingard would have started that game, so I was a bit shocked about it. But to answer Neville's question about how he he, he changed the team too much, I don't think so. When he does make a change, is in the Carabao Cup games. And the players that do play, you know, are almost static and cold because they don't have no forward momentum. They don't get a run of games. I mean, there's certain games I, I felt like, you know, when the first international break, he could have made a couple of changes. Maybe an Alex Tellers could have played instead of, instead of Shaw. Or maybe a Donny could have played. Or maybe Eric Bailly could have played. You know, certain certain games where, you know, you, you need to in which, the team. in which match, sorry, were you talking? Maybe the Newcastle game. The Newcastle, Newcastle game at home. You know, considering the fact that, you know, there were three international uh, games played over the international break, freshen the team up a little bit. And certain games, you could have played certain individuals to give them a bit of a momentum. But I totally disagree the fact that he changed the team a lot from what Neville's saying, because certain players under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he has his favourites. And he will just continue to play his favourites. And then when it's a competition like the Carabao Cup, He'll start throwing on the, the other ones. I go, oh, here you go. You can come on and, and play. And then you'll kind of expect a result. And we got what we got against West Ham. So I don't think he did. But I thought this game, he should have maybe started Lingard because Lingard looked a bit lively. He had the assist against um, against Villarreal for the Ronaldo goal. And he's one of Oli's favourites. So I'm a bit shocked that he, he uh, you know, he chose Martial. But Martial was warranted with the goal. So you can't complain. Yeah, deflected goal to be honest. Ian, yeah. coming off injured, hobbling off. Um, the last point on this match that I want to mention um, is just get your views on um, Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho came on the same time as Cristiano Ronaldo with half an hour left. Me personally, I, I thought that was his best game in a Man United shirt. I thought he was promising when he came on of what he was doing some nice link-up. He was skipping past a couple of people. He had a big chance to score the winner, but he looked like, and, and he fluffed it, um, but he looked like he wanted to come on and, and make something happen and be the match winner. Um, I saw that effort in him. I, I mm. saw the determination in him. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Sancho so far as we go into the second international you know, it's a, it's a difficult one because obviously he's come from Dortmund, you know, and he's, you know, there's an expectation, there's a price tag on him. But I thought in that game that, he, you know, he hasn't really delivered, you know, I don't know whether or not it's down to, you know, injuries or or fitness and sharpness. and But I thought in this game when he came on, you know, I thought, you know, when Oli brought him on, there was, a dif- there was a difference, you know, in terms of attitude, application and trying to win the game, kind of seeing the qualities. He really wanted to affect the game. He skipped past a couple couple man and then you know he looked like there was an intent for him to kind of make it try and make a difference and you know that that's that chance that he had he had when Ronaldo flipped it to him down the left hand side that's just down to confidence because once he gets a run of games and gets that confidence and gets acclimatized back into the playing in the Premier Premier League that goes in. So I think from the signs I've seen in that game where he featured I think he I think it bodes well for him. So I hopefully he gets to play a little bit more. Okay, well, share of points there. Everton fully deserved their point, as I said. Um, could have got the winner late on, but uh, Tom Davis decided to pass it instead of shooting. Jeremina tapped in, but he was offside. Um, it was the right decision. Um, so, yeah, pressure kind of mounting, it seems, for Oli. Um, let's go to our final game now. Um, Brighton at home to Arsenal. Goalless... Goalless draw here. Um, by all accounts, Brighton dominated this game. Um, before, I get, before I get to your thoughts, I'll just go through the stats. Brighton had 21 shots, but only two on target. Arsenal had eight shots. Um, they had two on target as well. Possession it was 58% to Brighton. Touches all in Brighton's favour. Passes, Brighton's favour. Tackle, tackles, Brighton's favour. Corners, Brighton's favour. Um, so by the stats, it looks like they dominated. What was your thoughts on that? Exactly that. They dominated the game. 
I love the way uh, Potter sets his team up very forward. Very look, they're looking to score goals and they dominated Arsenal. Arsenal were just on the, the back foot from start to finish. Duffy had a brilliant game. Uh, I thought Brighton, that some of the chances they had. I, I mean, Lewis Dunk, he across into the box. And, oh, what a cross. Um, oh, I, De Bruyne-esque. De Bruyne-esque. Shout out to him. But um, Byrne should have scored that, man. Oh, uh, big damn. But so in, the, in, the, in the other end, he kind of prevented the goal from going in. So, uh, uh, so kudos to him. But they, they were brilliant. They were brilliant from start to finish. Uh, the chances they had, the, the way they played, they were all over um, Arsenal. Could have been a bit more clinical in front of the goal. I think Arsenal were just surviving, man. They were just in survival mode. I mean, Arsenal did have an opportunity. I think Saka down the right-hand side. Um, had a shot on, but there was a, another chance from Saka where he was down the right-hand side. He just didn't, could have passed it into the box, into Aubameyang, but he didn't. Uh, but, oh yeah, Arsenal struggled. They, they struggled in this game, man. And, and Arteta was very negative and they, they just couldn't deal with, the, with the, the press. They couldn't deal with the, the quality that Brighton were, do, uh, were playing. And, and that's, that Spanish, the new, the new player from Brighton, Conorella, uh, he was fantastic. Cucurella. Cucurella, yeah. Sorry, Cucurella. But, um, yeah, it was fantastic. And Nil Mope and, and Trossard were bullying that defence. I think this is Mope's best season. He's been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, man. I'm impressed, man. His, his first season at Brighton, he, 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 did, he did well. Um, but the goal returns, I think, this season. You know, you already see it. Yeah, he, he started well. I mean, I, I think he probably felt he should have scored in this game. Um and this is the difference. I mean, I, I know me and Barry had a discussion when we were viewing the Premier League and we were saying about Brighton, the clear thing that, that they've been missing, especially in the stats and stuff, is, is the goals. They've always been in games, don't really get battered. They, they, they're very competitive and they should, that should have gained a lot more points than they did last season. But what let them down was their end product, mm. um, having that goal scorer. Um, so if Mopey can hit 12 to 15 goals, that, that will be huge for them. And um, where it ends up making letting them finish, who knows? But they've had a brilliant start to the season. Um, yeah, and, and again, the fact that they will come away with this, like their manager and players pissed mm. that they didn't get the victory, I think, shows that, I mean, obviously, it, listen, I'm going to be honest here. People can say I'm a hater. I don't give a fuck. It is Arsenal. Yeah, let's not talk about Arsenal like they're great because they beat us last week in a game where we were absolutely shocking. And listen, credit to them, they turned up, we didn't. You know what I mean? That the, that's part of the job, turning up. And they did that and we didn't. Um, but I mean, the celebrations, like they won the Champions League or something in their dressing room. I mean, have you seen the picture? Oh, God, it's all over have you social seen it? media. Yeah, uh, there's like 40 staff members like with the players and they're all like grinning putting thumbs up to the camera taking a picture sad bastards but um, <laughs> but in Arsenal's defence in Arsenal's defence yeah, so to on. cut you off obviously considering the fact from when how the beginning of the season started yeah, and a lot of pressure on Arteta and you know you know if, uh, if people said Arsenal to get 10 points out of, uh, of the next 12 people would have taken it so I think, you know, there, there has been an improvement. I know the teams that they played, and obviously I know you're not going to be happy about this, Tottenham obviously losing. You know, there has been some form of progression in terms of the amount of points they, they made. They'll probably look at this game and think maybe a point earned. And Brighton 100%. Will look at this. And, a point and, and, and Brighton are going to look at this as two points dropped. 100%. So, yeah, I mean, Arteta got away with this one by the skin of his teeth. What, what did you what did you think on um because you spoke about the new signs what 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 was your thoughts on Aaron Rams, uh, Aaron Ramsdale? Aaron he's got he's got a good attitude. He's got a good attitude. You know he's a good he's a good guy. I mean, oh, I said before I felt like listen. I'll be honest, man. He, you're getting a relegation relegation goalkeeper. You know he's been in you know the last couple of seasons been relegated. But I was a bit surprised that Arteta put him in. He started to integrate him as, as quickly. I thought Leno would have been the yeah, chosen it one. Yeah, really quickly, isn't it? Yeah, so it's almost like he's made his decision that Ramsdale's yeah, yeah, going to yeah. be the number one, yeah. which I'm a bit sceptical of. But um, 
Listen, he's doing it well, but the one guy I want to be, you know, for Arsenal, I can, I can mention, say, certainly is that Tommy Asu hasn't looked really out, out of place, man. I think he's the one that's impressed me the most out of um, Arsenal, you know, Arsenal signings. He's come in, done a really good job, settled in really well. The mentality and kind of secured that back line. It looks a decent back line now with him, him there. I know Gabriel and Ben White's kind of form a, a partnership. I'm, I'm still a bit sceptical of Ben White. I think he gets, he gets found wanting in certain games and he's targeted quite easily, but it seems quite okay. Um, but, you know, the front three for Arsenal, Saka, Rowe and uh, Bang Yang will be the ones to look to look, they'll look forward to goals and opportunities. But Odegaard as well is playing well. Maybe Nicolas Pepe might get a, you know, in certain games might get an opportunity. But yeah, it looks like a little bit of progression for Arsenal. But listen, I'm not expecting big, big, big things from Arsenal this season. Um. So you said answered that basically would Arsenal grabbing ten points in the last twelve games and said that they, they'd be happy with that. Um, Brighton. Um, let's just look at where they are on the table because let's just have a little moment on Brighton because I've been wanting to talk about Brighton. Mm. Um, Graham Potter, who deserves all the praise. Um, they're going to this international break after seven games in sixth place. We're next up Norwich. Um, three points. One defeat so far, four victories. Arguably, um, they should have five victories. They, they won that on the weekend, which seemed like they deserved to win and they would have gone top of the table. Um, mm. Well, joint top of the table. Um, yeah, well, what, what do you feel um, could they could achieve this season? Yeah, I mean, they've had a positive start to the season. Um, I, I think top 10 is not out of, out of reach if we can, t- can keep all the players fit and keep the momentum. It's a tough, it's, you know, it's a tough, obviously, there's teams in and around them where you, you expect them to finish above them. But I don't see top 10 being a, out of reach or not unrealistic. So we're potting away, you know, keeping that positive football. I think they're going to find it difficult to keep a hold of him come end of the season because on the back of what he's doing at Brighton, and I think he made a good choice in not going to you lot, no disrespect, but um, come to Brighton and, you know, kind of further enhance his reputation. So, yeah, I think maybe top 10, if they just miss out the top 10, that's still a good season. It's progression. And the signings that they've made, you know, they've bedded in quite well and kind of adopted how he wants to play football. It's exciting. All right. um, Let's go through the rest of the fixtures now. Um, Start at Turf Moor. The goalless draw, first point for the season for Norwich. Um, obviously, no goals. Uh, I know. I think Norwich wanted um, a man sent off. Burnley wanted a penalty. It was you know I was going to be with um, Burnley's blood and thunder. Yeah. Um, let's look at the. Stats, stats don't always show true, but it seemed like a fairly even game. Um, but look, most important thing for Norwich, their first point of the season. Um, it's sad that it's come after seven games, but listen, one point is better than none. Um, yeah. Let's go to Stamford Bridge. It's Chelsea versus Southampton. Chelsea took the lead through Trevor Chalabar. Um, it was a, from a corner, whipped in. Was it a corner? I think it was a corner. Whipped in. Yeah. Flicked on, um, slightest touch by Loftus-Cheek and it fell to Chalabar. Scored at the back first with a diving header. Southampton equalised. 15 minutes since the second half. The kid, I have to get his name, who was signed from Chelsea. Oh, Liveramento. Yeah. Yeah, Liveramento. Um, young right back. He's really impressed this season. He went charging into the box on the right side. A blatant, blatant penalty. Barbara Ventura. James Ward-Prowse does what James Ward-Prowse does. Tucked it home. That was one apiece. Then the game turned. 77th minute. Mendy played it played out of defence to um, Jorginho on the edge of his box. Jorginho took a touch, 
James Ward Prowse's pressing high, lunging on him. It's one he's going to go for because he believes he can nick it. And if he nicks it, we're in on goal. Just a little too aggressive. Caught um, Jorginho and he was given a straight red. And that, you would say, obviously pushed the game towards Chelsea then. And then in the last five minutes, Timo Werner did score this time. He had one disallowed earlier because of a foul in the build-up. Did they go a bit far back for you? For the foul? Or did they, do you think they look, oh, Millie, they got the decision right? There's a yeah, foul on um, Paul Peters from um, Asper Laguerre. Yeah, I think it's a bit harsh. Uh, the... I mean, there was. A, I think it was a foul, but I did think it was a foul. Yeah. On on Carl Walker Peters, but you no, know, you know, it could have been given. But I don't think it's at Chelsea. You know, they got a bit of the rubber the green. So, what they didn't get the rubber green. What I'm trying to say is that the goal was disallowed. That's what no, I'm saying. Yeah, Werner no, got... scored first, and it got disallowed because of a foul on Carl Walker Peters. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I went back and looked at it, and there was a foul in the build-up. Yeah, sorry. What I meant was, I think you know, obviously, from from Werner's perspective, in terms of uh, you know, at that time before he, you, know, you got the disallowed goal, obviously, his luck being not getting that luck at that that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel he's not getting no luck at the moment. Yeah, the um, way the then, way he's performing. Yeah, then he but managed. Then he to did kinda... score. Yeah, as yeah. for Lequeta set him up, um, and then it was a crazy sequence um, where Ben Chilwell scored in the end. I'm not sure who, but it seemed like everybody hit the bar and then it ended up falling to Chilwell. He volleyed it back in. The goalkeeper saved it, but it had gone just just beyond the line. Um, Chelsea 3-1 winners and go top of the Premier League. Yeah, Tuchel changed the team quite a lot considering, obviously, I know he's had two back-to-back defeats. Um, yeah, he just come off the back of the loss in the Champions League. So he's integrated off the cheek again. And even Ross Barkley came on. Yes. But that's um, the squad depth that Chelsea have and you know, Tuchel's yeah, yeah. trying to trying to keep it things fresh and and trying to get a look at everyone and not dismiss anyone and see if anyone can help them push along. Um let's go to Ellen Road next. One nil leads one, beat Watford, Diego Lorente, decent finish in the end from centre back, um, from a corner, came in and just reacted that sort of half volley on the spin. That was the only goal of the game. It wasn't the end of the drama, though. Watford did score a goal, which, I mean, it's just like handbags, to be honest. They both were fouling each other, it seemed. Um, and the ball actually hit off Cabicelli and went in the back of the net. That would have been an equaliser for Watford. But it wasn't to be. And then at the end, the Crazy moment with um, Tyler Roberts, where you almost scored a second for Leeds. We hit the ball with a um, crazy effort. Uh, but Leeds hold, held on um, for the first victory of the season. Well-deserved in the end, I would say. But, I mean, obviously, you can talk about a controversial goal that was this love for Watford. Watford then went and sacked the manager, Cisco. Was it two days ago or yesterday? Yes, yesterday morning, I, I think it was yeah. announced. Um, yeah. Yesterday has been Tuesday, no, Monday. Yeah, Monday morning he was sacked. Um, and he's been replaced fairly quickly by um, Claudio Ranieri. We know Claudio had won the league with Leicester, had a bit of a nightmare at Fulham. When Sandora had a bit, Sandoria, sorry, had a bit of a nightmare there as well. I'm hearing that there was a few Italian teams that wanted to take him, but he ended up coming back to the Premier League and he's going with Watford. What do you feel? Yeah, I think it's a bit gun ho. I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, this is what Watford think, do. This is what Watford do. Yeah, Watford. I mean, I've heard some crazy stat that they've, you know, consecutively got rid of a manager every season for the last couple of seasons. <laughs> it's mad. Yeah. They weren't even that. To be fair, the Watford this season have been okay. They haven't, you know, and and, and Sar's been brilliant for them. Certain players. Yeah, he's always going to be brilliant. Though, but I don't think Watford were in that much of a. A, a problem to, to I know what you're saying I, I think it's just the board just yeah. believing you know they're, trying they're to worried. predict in the future just like yeah. if you was the owner of Manchester United you mm. would say Oli after one round you know what I mean so it's, it's a bit exaggeration kind of but okay <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I think they're yeah, again they're just trying to hedge their bets to get a new manager in, but I, I don't know about Ranieri, but who knows? I mean, Wolves picked up a two-one victory over the visit in Newcastle. Two goals for new signing He Chan, linking up well with Raul Jimenez. We've seen in the past mm. Raul Jimenez could do with a with a strike partner. Him and Jota mm. had that partnership a couple of years ago. That were that was very deadly for Wolves. Um, but Jeff Hendricks had equalised um, from He Chan's first goal after twenty minutes. Um, a crazy incident with a goalkeeper. Looked like he was half knocked out, then got back to his feet. He was halfway out of his goal, and then it fell to Jeff Hendricks and just smashed it in. And from the edge area, good finish, to be honest. But yeah, as I said, he chan went in and scored his second. To be honest, two nice finishes, both very, very similar when you see his technique and finishing. But the South Koreans have very nice technique. Um, as we're going to talk about my boy's son later. Ah, I but, knew that was coming. <laughs> when you mentioned yeah, South yeah. Korea, I knew, I knew you're going to be plugging songs yeah, at some point. Don't, don't be racial, bro. Um, <laughs> no, not the same, bro. <laughs> you always, we'll talk about South Korea, different nations, and talk about Nigeria every week. <laughs> um, yeah, um, two nice finishes. So, yeah, good win for Wolves. Pressure on Steve. Just never yeah, lets up, mountain, does it? It's mountain now. Ah, <laughs> mountain blood is peak. A man who seems like he's starting fairly well at home anyway um. is Patrick Vieira. Because his side came from two goals down at home to Leicester. Ian Nacho with the first goal. Nigerian. Um, and then Jamie Vardy <laughs> just six minutes later. Apparently he was against a run of players well. Um, mm. And I think the Crystal Palace fans clapped their own players off at halftime even though they were 2-0 down. And that positive energy... Help them to make a comeback, substitute Olise. Um, the young guy signed from Reading, who is a bit of a, a fair flair player who the fans are gonna enjoy. He got um the first goal back, and then the guy who always seems to chip in goals every season, important goals, is yeah. Jeffrey Schlup. Um, and he turned up with a goal for Crystal Palace and got them. A point. Leicester kind of struggled, struggling. Sorry, at the start of this season. Um, what do you yeah. What do you feel it is? What do you feel it is with Leicester? I, I don't know. They kind of lost that spark they've had the last couple of seasons, and and I've noticed from the beginning is it seems that that they're not they're not playing to the standard that they normally are. Certain players are not performing. I mean, they're struggling in Europe. They're struggling in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't know. Rogers, Rogers. I think he has he has that plan. When Plan A doesn't work, certain fans are saying you know he doesn't have a Plan B, and I think that's a problem that they're having at the moment. That from a two 0 position against Crystal Palace away from home, they should be winning that game. But listen, momentum was on Crystal Palace's side, and as you mentioned before, with the fans, the flan, the fans play a huge part now. Then back after COVID, kind of, and you know Vieira's settled in well and the players are still responding so it was a good performance but yeah Leicester are struggling man I, I can't put my finger on it exactly why but they just they don't look the part at the moment yeah because like to be fair to Brendan like he's had to deal with a hell of a lot of injuries since he's been at Leicester he's had a couple mini crises and, and he's dealt with them and they've come through and he's everyone's always sung his praises but no Fofana, no Evans, continually. I mean, it, it, Madison's drop of form, as you're saying, there's a lot of players dropping in form. Oh. Jamie Vardy's still chipping in with goals, but Tielemans has gone quiet. It's that with all the links to moving away and stuff in the summer. Um, Harvey Barnes, who was so impressive last season, he's gone quiet as well. Yeah, so... I mean, that spine, that spine in that team. Sorry to, yeah, uh, that, that spine is a problem because obviously, like you mentioned, Fafana was important. Even Evans was important at that back, and Siancu. Well, no, and Didi as well. He's been in and out of the team, and he's not in the team at the moment either. Yeah, he's injured as well. But mm. I was going to allow you to mention Didi. I didn't really want to mention him too much, but yeah, he, there's, he's missing in that team. <laughs> that that spine. So. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. They've, they're always dealing with injuries, and I think it's maybe. Too, too many injuries all at once, but 
once they get all these players back, I expect the performance to improve. Okay, let's go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, turn back into a football stadium now. Um, after Andy yeah. Joshua's fight against Usyk. Um, Tottenham took the lead through Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. Nice finish from um, the Dean, set by Sun. And then Villa equalised through Ollie Watkins in the second half. And then Spurs reacted really quickly and within five minutes they were back in front. Good work from Sunday on the left, squared it for Lucas. And it actually went down as no goal by target in the end. I thought it was a goal for Lucas, but um, yeah, Spurs back to winning ways after that awful North London derby. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was an important win for you guys. Uh, I just wanted to ask you a question about um, the whole Nuno situation because come out that obviously uh, uh, Levy's talk, kind of... We talk about him every week. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Yeah, just talking about, um, obviously, Levy's come out and said that um, if, you know, for whatever reason you guys don't get top six, uh, Nuno could leave and there's no compensation or for him. He can go on, he could leave and don't have to pay, like, a compensation to him. I mean, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Lord, leave, isn't it? <laughs> he strikes again. <laughs> That's what he does, man. The guy is just, he's got all kinds of... Clauses and shit. The only one who didn't have a clause was Harry. Fucked up. <laughs> Everyone else has got a clause of some, you know what I mean? There's some kind of clause that you've never ever heard of. And he he he, he puts it in there. Um, look, it's smart. It's smart at the end of the yeah. day. It's no loss. It's kind of a free hit with Nuno mm. and, and just see if he can impress and, and, and achieve what they see as the bare minimum. If he underachieves, he's gone and we don't have to pay you no money. Um mm. But yeah, look, it was it was uh, with the match. It was um, we had a lot of attempts in the second half. I mean, we could have scored at least four goals. Um, Lacelso had one. Harry Kane could have had a couple. Son had a chance as well. Even um, new signing Emerson Royale had one cleared off the line. I just want to make a comment on what um, your boy Dean Smith said. Dean Smith said a difference between the two sides was Sun, which, to be honest, I think was a bit harsh, mate. You know what I mean? I thought Villa weren't very good. Um, whether that was us or not, I, I want to give praise to the defence as a whole. Dyer Romero looked very good. Romero, very aggressive, very on it. You could see why he was wise. So rated. Um, Sergio Reglon, as the game got on, he dealt with cash more and more. Um, did really well. And Emerson Royal was absolutely brilliant at Robert. As I said, the one thing which I've seen is him, in him since he's come to club, it's like he don't want to take anyone on. But to be fair to him, he did one little burst down the right. I think it was Mings. He left for dust. Skank Mings got to the byline, got across, back across for Sun, who volleyed it. And volleyed it over, but yeah, um, Oliver Skip was given a start, which I wanted. Dele Alli was dropped, as we had discussion last week. It was Undebele mm. that we could give him a go. To be honest, Undebele came off after 76 minutes, and for about an hour, he was kind of poor, to be honest. Mm. Um, you know, when you're given a chance, oh, to be to be honest, I want um, him to be given another chance. Not saying that his performance deserves it. But that's the problem. You can't keep switching it. Yeah. You've got to stick with someone, stick with that team, and, and go with it for a couple of weeks and see, see where it takes us. Do you think this team, the team that he put out, bar a couple of players, is the team that you want to go, go forward with? I mean, as I said, look, with, with that formation, we played more of a 4-2-3-1. And Nabele was in that number 10 role. As I said, he didn't play really well. Didn't play well at all. It was a lot of frustrating moments. He did one bit of brilliance in the second half. Brilliance. If he had scored, it would have been... I mean, everyone would have shut up for how shit he's been before that. Um, but it was a weak shot in the end. Mm. But yeah, look, at the end of the day, for me, just stick with that team for now and, and, and see where it, we are in two weeks, three weeks' time. 
the only one that, that could argue at this point, he played very well. Obviously, we played a shit team in Europe in the Conference League, Mura. But Lasalso played really well in that one. He came on, he did really well again. So he's the only one at this precise moment that I think can see himself into that team. Defensively, as I said, it's a toss-up for me between Sanchez, Roden, and um, Dyer. Partner Romero. And Tanganga, I really like Tanganga, but as I said, at the back of that performance, Royale should be given the right-back shirt at the moment. And then... Mm. When Tangang gets his chance, is his chance to, to to gain it back. You know, I mean, that, that's just how I look at it. So, um, yeah, as I said, we're saying um, it was a bit unfair with the saying Sun was the only difference. Attacking Sun was amazing. He was amazing on the day, and it was our driving force. Don't get me wrong, he was. Mm. Um, but as I said, if our defense played shit, you would have scored. You would have created much more chances, and they caused us havoc from um, their set pieces. So corners, not even just corners, throw-ins. Their throw-ins were even worse. Cash was just bringing out the towel or whatever and taking about 10 minutes. But they were lining up. They got a um, set-piece coach. And, yeah, they were breaking down every set-piece and trying to take full advantage. But we dealt with them really well, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, happy with the performance on the whole. Um, we deserve to win. So, yeah, I'm happy about that. Um, let's go West Ham versus... Brentford ended 2-1 to Brentford last minute again we saw we saw the substitute comes on and scores and Boomer gave Brentford the lead um, he had a couple good chances as well um, other than his goal West Ham equalised with 10 minutes to go through Jared Bowen good finish good finish low and hard um, but as I said Brentford with basically seconds left on the clock Ended up getting a winner. I mean, Brentford continue, man. It's, it's, it's been a dream what they're doing in the Premier League, man. Um, yeah. Don't look out of place at all, man. They're looking organised. It's the manager again. The effect, Frank's coming in there. These players are, are very comfortable. He hasn't made many changes, brought in loads of players. It's virtually the same team from the, mm. the championship. And that's what's more effective, that they've found it, you know, almost seamless to kind of, kind of come to teams like West Ham and give that type of performance and get that victory away from home. Yeah, as we said, like really hard-working midfield. Um, they've got the three at the back has proven solid enough. And Raya behind them needs to get some praise as well because I think he's mm. very good. And then the front two. The front two give you a chance. They, they, they are them front two that you can kind of play up on their own. Yeah. And they can make things happen, create things for each other. Um, and yeah, what, a, what a start, man. I mean, West Ham, we kind of said that the, the Europe might have a derailing on their season. And I think we're starting to see early signs of that after European games. I think they've lost a couple already or dropped points in a couple already, or I think at home as well. So, yeah, yeah that's something they're going to have to get used to, West Ham. And we'll see how, we, uh, how they go um, with yeah. that but it's an international break so we're not going to go through the fixtures we'll go through the fixtures closer to the time of the Premier League returning sadly that shit an uh, international break is back on again but we'll just read through the table we'll start at the top Chelsea lead the Premier League by a point they're ahead of Liverpool who are second on 15 15 points sorry third comes Manchester City who are joint with Manchester United fourth, Everton fifth, and Brighton sixth, all on 14 points. Then come the impressive Brentford, who are in, moved up to seventh. They're joint on 12 points with Spurs. West Ham are ninth. Aston Villa tenth. Arsenal back in the bottom half after they had a wank and an orgasm after <laughs> winning the North London derby. Really done really well for them. Um, stupid bastards. <laughs> um, Wolves are 12th um, it's that back-to-back wins for Wolves isn't it um, yeah. yeah starting to climb now as we were saying they, they, they've been impressive at the start of the season so yeah. getting more points that they deserve Leicester as we said started a bit poorly they're in 13th 
Crystal Palace rise to 14th. Watford, who will have Ranieri um, as their manager of the international break. Obviously, he started his job already, but that will be his first game, obviously. Um, they drop to 15th. Leeds move up to 16th after grabbing their first win in the season and then make up the rest. 17th, Southampton. 18th, Burnley. 19th, Newcastle and Rock Bottom. Norwich, then 14, all looking for their first win in this season. Um, that's game week seven, man. Um, Dave, respect. Yeah, no worries. Um, we'll fill up our time and fill up, get some episodes out to you while the international break is on. Um, we've obviously got boxing to look forward to, so we'll, we'll have a breakdown of the, the Wilder Fury, which happens this weekend. Um, and in between that, we'll we'll do some other episodes um, on some of the sports that we usually talk to talk through. Sorry. Um, so yeah, that's the episode episode twenty five. Follow us on Instagram if you listen to this at underscore the underscore warm underscore down. Um, follow if you listened, and I don't know who you are. <laughs> Just follow. Make yourself um, known. Yeah, make yourself Elite. known. Um, and peace.